rocking out man this is actually thursday december 8th 2022 make sure you make sure you get on the show turn her down make sure we got going on this morning we have the show happening and yo today we've been rocking this thing out yesterday was an amazing situation and uh shout out to stacy daniels uh john f kennedy center in harlem on 135th street we had an amazing, amazing media training for these co- these high school on- and upcoming college students. Like, amazing experience, right? It was really dope. We got a chance to actually go out there, give us some good energy, let them know where we came from, how we fought for, what we fought through. And, you know, just, just try to keep them off the streets to keep them into the right place and let them know that education is everything. Going to school is everything. And chasing your dream is everything. And being who you are. And being the best that you could be is everything. Listen, image is everything, man. That's the reason I even started the program. I actually started the program in 2014 um, after, uh, at Hackensack High School because we felt like controlling your own image before all of this basketball, you know, you can you can get paid for what you do and all that even began and started to happen. So I figured I'd remix it, bring it back to the forefront and let the, uh, you know, people that's in education see what we got to going on because, you know, now young kids are making money and they're going in and they controlling their image. It was super important to put this out there because a lot of the identity of uh, where they're going now is, hey, listen, I got money in my pocket. I know what I'm doing. So we had to break that whole scenario down and figure out who they are, why you're here, giving them a general purpose on where you're going. Because if you don't know where you're going, you're going to end up back in the hood and you're causing problems in your neighborhood. And that's what we don't want. And that's what we, you get what I'm saying? And um, we, we, Shout out to Brittany Griner, man. You know, yeah. hey, man. I see you out, man. Listen, you out. first of all, give an honor to God because he is too, too, too powerful. When things look out of control, he is totally Thanks. in control. Thanks. So pay attention to that. And it's very important to see how everything is it come come about because she's gotten out. She's able to to to. She's free. She's home, and I'm so happy that you know she's home for one because that's a. For somebody that has had an opportunity to play overseas, anything can happen over there, man. You're not in control like you're in America and you can say what you want, do what you want. In other countries, things happen and you're not able to do what you want to do in other countries because we don't have the same rules that they have. You know what I'm saying? So this is what I want to talk about today, right? Um, Funny thing is, having a program like we have, right? The reason why we started this was, hey... We, we didn't drop out of school. You might fail out of school, right? And circumstances and situations happen in your life that you can't pay things. You can't, you you, you, you don't even have a job when you get home. Um, and then things happen where you hit your household and your mama and your father or your grandma, whoever's at home needs you to get a job and you need to be responsible and pay the bills. Yeah. Now, 
this is where this comes full circle for people that's not prepared for getting out of high school and going into college, job readiness, and being able to get in the real world and make a, a dollar bill. How you yeah. feel about that, bro? I feel like, listen, man, you know, you always want to make a dollar bill, make sure that you're taking care of what you're taking care of, make sure that you're being responsible, make sure that you're looking over your life, make sure that you're making the right decisions, man, and make sure that you know that it's only one life to live, and once you lose it, bro, you can't come back, you know? But, but hold up, man. We, we got so much hustle, we got so sure. much game, but we're not prepared for life headed outside in the real world. You get what I'm saying? So the, the reason why I want to break this down into pieces is because, hey, for one, if you look at other cultures, they prepare their kids to get out in the field and make money, man. Word, so funny. why is that so uh, like a misconstrued situation when it comes to the black and brown community? Do you feel like we're ready for uh, getting a job? Do you feel like after college or even high school, some people don't even go to high school. So are we prepared for the real world? That's yeah. the question. I feel like we prepared for the real world. Especially no, nah, don't just ask I mean, that question. No, don't I just mean, answer feel, that question just, just to like, be thinking about it. I feel like a lot of people could be prepared for the real world, especially if that's what they really want. I feel like anybody can be ready for the real world, especially if they know exactly what they want to do. Most kids don't know what they want, man. A lot of people don't know what they want, but a lot of people do know what they want. See, but this is a debate that I'm having right now between the Gen X and the millennial world, Mm -hmm. right? See, we look at social media and all of the things that's on TikTok, social media, and all the things that we look at. It looks good. It might smell good, but is it truly good? You get what I'm saying? Society is paying a... It's a very fine line that's going on right now in society where we're looking at how fast you can make money, how quick you can make money. But is the money that you make it valid is, is good morally, have, has a moral uh, institution for your life and be able to, for you to build a family? You feel me? Like, see, I'm leaving you with some deep conversations because we're dealing with broken homes in our society right now. How many fathers... Is in their household with the wife, with the moms, and they creating a family unit to where they could go out and have a good, fundamentally sound mind to be able to raise kids. I mean, it ain't it ain't like that. Am with I everybody. talking? It ain't like that with everybody. It ain't like that with everybody. Nah, everybody man. Have the concept, but a lot of people do have the concept. But it's just certain ones that you get around. See, see the funny so. thing about this is, right, the reason why I'm having this conversation right now is a lot of broken homes out there, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people that's on, a lot of men that's on child support, that's still not taking care of their responsibilities. I got brothers that are taking care of their responsibilities, not getting credit for it. Yeah. These are the things that we're trying to change the narrative and making sure these young boys are turning into men. Yeah. And I got a gentleman that's here that's going to jump on and be able to talk about young men turning into men. He does it every single day. And I really, we, we partnered up only because we were turning from young people to grown men. And it was a hard circumstance in our lives at that time because, hey, you feel like you're a man because you're walking around and you you can make a baby. You yes. can do these things and you can, you, can, you can spend money. But are you really a man, bro? Talk about nah, that, man. If you... If you're not taking care of your household and you're not being a man and you're not working and you're not doing none of these things, don't consider yourself as a man just because you have a child, just because you think because you're paying bills, just because you think that, you know, you could be able to control what you do doesn't mean that makes you a man. What man. makes you a man is a person that sticks up for what he believes in. He take care of what he needs to take care of. He's not out there doing nothing dumb and then himself right back into that prison or, or, or sending himself to jail because the fact of it is that he felt like that, well, I got to do this in order to survive. It's a lot of ways that you could survive. It's a lot of ways that you could be able to be a man, be a father, but also keep yourself out of trouble. It's listen, so I, look, I, look, I, look, and I'm going to just say this now. 
although we head on the right right path eventually all of us don't have that track that we on we end up and veer off in the wrong area so like i said for, for me it was more of a revelation because i had a calling that i was ignoring for me it was different because i had a a mother that was taking care of responsibilities. I had a mother and family members that were great in their communities. I had all of these things, but I still didn't feel like I fit in. But we right? had to learn. We had to learn. So we had to learn. You make mistakes. We ain't perfect. We all make mistakes. But it's like it's if you're learning from the mistakes that you're actually making, that's what makes you a better person. If you don't learn from hey, these mistakes, yeah, but we live in a society where they judge you by your mistakes. But so we all make mistakes at times, right? But but do you really make amends and how you live over time? Listen, mm-hmm. one mistake cost me 10 years of my life, man. Not in jail, yeah, but I felt like I was in prison outside. Yeah, yeah So yeah. the thing is that if you lock yourself in where you have no choice to do the things that you're doing, are you really responsible for your own life and the people that surround you? Are you a detriment? Are you a liability? These are the things that we feel like are, are important in our black community because men are not prepared overall to handle these women. Look how look, I think personally the way they're looking on social media, the way we look at them and we view them, we 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 cause issues in our society that we should be fixing. Overall, if it starts with our behavior, let's start there first. True, true. And and uh, and I, and, you know, I don't want to point out to the young men. We'll deal with them on the second week because we we going into that second part of who you think you are versus who you truly are. You he say you got to change yourself before you can change the world. Right. So see, see, these things are very, very fundamental, and we lack fundamentals in our society at times because we want to skip steps. Mm-hmm. I've skipped steps many a times and then I've stunted my own growth and my perpetuating what I thought in my society is what I truly needed. And then I come to find out old younger men versus older, they handle themselves in a different manner. So me having a situation where I didn't have a father in my lifestyle on a regular basis, there were no, there was no accountability. There was always emotional attachments to, to things that I thought was good for me. Same here. I made hey. mistakes. I made mistakes. My father wasn't there. My father was caught up on drugs for 40 years and he was in and out of my life. Constantly coming through my birthdays, calling me, saying happy birthday. But I'm looking around to try to figure out when's he going to step through that door. I just wow. kept trying to find out. Like he called me every single year. Hey, Antoine, how you doing? You know, happy birthday. But where you at? Don't call me from a distance if I'm not seeing you right in front of me. Right, Listen, and, I, and these are the things that I realized over time that makes uh, broken men. Mm-hmm. So you you have them outside the house now. They full grown physically, but mentally they still a child. Thanks. So how are you going to you know deal with somebody that has childish ways and they have a physical body? So that's why I think the police officers act the way they act, and why the government acts the way they act towards men of that stature. They are not truly strong men. They have the body type to be a strong man. And, but they don't have the mentality of a strong man. Mm. So I think that honestly, we need to go ahead and come together. Find out we need to listen. This has to be a men's group nationally. I ain't even talking about just black because we all dealing with this situation. But we have really came to a, come to a forefront where we looking at our young brothers. That is young men versus older men. Yeah, yeah. Uh, status. We dealing with who got money, who doesn't have money. 
And there's a whole lot of disrespect going on. So I think we should be pulling back and try to bring this thing together. Are we ready for our guest? Yes. Hey, Lisa, you still there? Hello? No, see if she can text him, see if she can get it. But, you know, Brittany Griner, back to her. Congratulations, she's got home. I'm so happy that she's here. Um, and shout out to uh, Ted Green. We also had the mayor, man. That's He's back on the block. We're going to drop the video. It's a pleasure seeing him yesterday, man. Um, he's, he, he has the Christmas lighting in East Orange, New Jersey. And uh, I felt like, you know, as a, as a news team, we have to go out and we got to hit our community because a lot of people have a bad taste in their mouths when it comes to the what they call the cool urban community. And I, I feel like, hey, what are we going to do about this? We got to make a change and we got to document all of the good things that are happening with our mayors, with our, our councilmen with our community engagers, those people that are cleaning up every single day. We're looking at those individuals as our ambassadors and our impact players in the game because they always clean our communities and they don't get credit, man. Um, you know, I, it's funny. Right now, I'm going to bring on a guest right now until we get everything ready to go. No, no, tell her to go through. I don't know what's going on with hers, but we're going to figure that out. Yeah. But um, what, what we're going to do is bring on, I'm going to have my brother slide on over. You can slide on over right now. We're going to back up. And I have one of the most legendary men in in, in, in my circle. You know what I'm saying? We got a good good circle. Pull on up. His name is Stacy Daniels. Say what's going on, man. How y'all doing? Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, well, good, afternoon, technically. good afternoon. It's good afternoon. Right. You know. Um, we, I, I think that uh, coming to your school, right? Uh, you know, after school program, we, it was very, very important for us to hit that and focus on not just sports, but, but, but how a, a, a young man is growing in his environment. Absolutely. So, so tell us why you, you you wanted us to come and what you do after program. All right. So I am the executive program director for an organization called Catholic Charities Community Services. Um, I'm predominantly located in the central in central Harlem. Um, so we cater to a lot of the project tenements in Harlem. We cater to all youth. And um, my focus for bringing you guys in was really to pull away from sports and, and get these young men to understand that there are different workshops and tools out there that can be utilized to grow as a young man um, I know that your experience in media um, and your ability to really take a story and turn it into something that people need to listen to, people need to hear, people need to read, um, has been uncanny for the time that I've known you. And um, I thought it would only be fitting that you come in and, and teach a media uh, workshop for our kids so they have a different side of life to learn. You know what I mean? It's easy to pick up a basketball, dribble, and shoot a basketball. But um, I think what makes you well-rounded is the, the things that, the things you can add to your tool belt. You know what I mean? You can add a screwdriver, you can add a hammer, you can add a, a, a socket wrench. Um, these are the different tools I feel like these kids need to pick up along the way so that they can grow as young men of color in the community. Yo, you know, the funny thing is that we, you know, we, we grew up in, um, you know, grew up in the same area, right? So. There's a difference that I see it outside of our umbrella of the type of man that's being grown up, grown in the inner cities, the different type of cities, what their, their challenges are. And what's some of the challenges that you've come across that that, that are different in, in like the like the inner city in New York versus like New Jersey or the tri-state um, 
I would say the biggest thing are the uh, the amount of services available to families in New York City is a little bit larger than here in New Jersey. Yeah. Um, I think in New York City, there's you could you can't really tell if a kid lives in a shelter, but I, I would say there are quite a few kids that are part of my program who, who live in shelters who um, who get an opportunity to to live a normal life, even though they live in a shelter. You, you can never tell. Like they still have uh, they they don't look like they're their circumstances. Thankfully. Um, Man, that's crazy you saying that right now, because I swear we don't look like what we what we've gone through. Oh, of course. Thank not. God for that. But I realized that some of the kids, they come in, you know, with high energy. They want to do things. They just don't know how to go about doing them. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think that you've done a great job at that level um, to be able to get these kids to get grounded, understand what they're trying to do. And then bringing in the experts to be able to, to execute that. Absolutely. So um, I think like any program, the biggest and the most important thing is trust. Mm. You have to develop a rapport, develop a relationship with these young men so that they can grow to trust you. Because I don't think there's any young man who's going to just do something off the strength of go do it. I said to do this, so do it. Um, I think that during my tenure thus far with the program, I've been able to uh, gain the respect, gain the trust um, of these young people. And um, they know that I have their best interest at heart, um, whether it's on the court, in the classroom, or at home. Um, I find it extremely important that relationships are created. Right. And, um, one of the biggest uh, hiccups that we've had at the Kennedy Center is we haven't had a full staff. And uh, what our full staff would look like is me as a director, uh, our youth advocate position being filled, um, and then our three coaches, our uh, program coordinator, who is our basically our lead coach, and then our two uh, subsequent coaches that are that All right, so my question is, is right, we always have to do better with what little moments that we have. We never have a staff, a full staff like everybody else. The full advantage with all with all the services that's needed. We have to create on the whim. Um, we have to shoot on the fly, learn the skill set that everybody else. How you been handling that? Being able to uh, put those things together and still get the actual full foundation of the development of um, the kid. Because that part. Uh, well, I, I would I, I say this in in any company that I worked for, you you've just gained one of the most vital assets in hiring me because I have a wealth of knowledge from different areas. Mm -hmm. I've been a youth advocate. I've been a mentor. I've directed programs. I've established programs. Um, I've, I have certifications that allow me to design programs. Um, I ran one of the largest mentorship-based programs in the state of New York. Wow. Um, See what I'm saying? And when it gets to the field, though, of the money. Yeah, man. So, that's, that's so Great so, question. Great question. I think the biggest thing that that led me to, to found this organization was our people's inability to grow mm. as a collective. I like that. Standing on the outside, looking into a store, you see tags, you see beautiful clothing, you see what, what have you. What, let's say you're outside of Macy's. You're looking in the Macy's, you see all these nice things. But how do you attain them? Mm. Right. Money doesn't grow on trees. So we have to learn ways, A, to make money. Mm -hmm. We have to learn ways to grow educationally. 
And what I was seeing a deficiency of, there weren't enough people who wanted to create that change. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I don't want my children growing up not having someone pour into them the way that I do when they're not in the home. But that's what's happening currently now. Exactly. So, so I looked at a statistic that's crazy, right? So two out of our every 10 kids has a parent that's watching them full time. Just looked at two out of every 10 kids. So that means 80% of our kids are at the beck and call of the environment or whatever's exactly. coming towards them. So how do you protect all of those young men that are coming inside? So my, my I think the biggest thing um, as a black man in a predominantly black community is to open these young men with open arms and give them a clear understanding, A, of, of what I will and will not tolerate in my program. B, uh, help them develop a level of integrity that makes them a leader in their own right. Let's be honest, most of these young men who are growing up in single parent households are being raised by mom. And mom is going to do everything possible to be mom and dad, but that's not enough. Yeah, you're right about that. Realistically, these young men need men. So I established my organization to put men in these young men's lives. Like that, well said. And again, no offense to any woman out there. You can do but so much as a woman to raise a man. Word. You can teach him to love you. You can teach him to respect you. But then the follow through is done by the male figure. Nine times out of ten. Right. These young men need male role models who care enough to tell them, you messing up. This is how you get back in line with what you're trying to do. So my biggest thing, the biggest part of the process that I've created with these young men is I ask them what they want to do with their lives. I help them create that plan, and then I hold them accountable every step of the way until they get there. Mm-hmm. I have young men, for example, a young men came to the community uh, facility like two weeks ago. I had, I had been mentoring him since he was 14 years old. He's 26 years old. Wow. Mm-hmm. And in the time he's been able to accomplish a college degree, mm-hmm. he's been able to get a job that pays him six figures. Mm. And now he wants to come back and be the mentor that was mentoring him. Mm-hmm. See, that's the, that's the each one teach one part where you walking exactly. back, so walking back. I, into I, I like to call it full circle. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I say full circle because you start with them. The, the, them full circle is them starting with someone. Mm. It, as men, I challenge men every day. Become a mentor. You went through so many things and you've overcome them. Now become a mentor and help a young black man, young Hispanic man, young white man for that matter, to not have to take the pitfalls that you had, you went through. And you know what's funny? You say that pitfall, right? Because you know we got hard heads. Majority of people as mentors have been mentored. Exactly. They have and the well, best, some of them haven't, but I mean, some of them haven't, but some of the best lessons in life was life, right? So yeah. even though you give them the advice of, of someone that has done it, how many of those kids still do it? Mm-hmm. Hey, a, lot. a lot, right? A lot. So you know, and, I mean, and, and let's be realistic. Life is a learning journey. Every day you should be learning. Every day you should be learning from an experience from the day before, the year before, 10 years before, so that you don't continue to make those same mistakes. 
that's it's not just a male thing. It's a male and female thing. That's why I, I, I'm a little disheartened at the fact that as a culture, we steer so far away from it takes a village. Man, what village? Hey, look, I look. Hey, look. This is the funny when I hear village, right? It's multiple villages in Africa, but they they carry themselves a certain way in every village, right? So if we have that village perspective of you know, some people want to get in, stay in this village. Some people want to be over here in this village. Everybody, some people want to jump back and forth to those villages. We don't have the same mindset to say, "Hey, we're gonna all stick together, kumbaya, my lord." Like, it don't work like so, that. And I think the, the I'm great, it's good that you said that because. It, I think Kumbaya, my lord, is the most BS statement. <laughs> <laughs> let's be realistic. Let's be, let's be realistic in life. Like, bro, you walk down a block that, that, that you see Kumbaya on, you get midway through the block and it's in the hood, you in the hood again. Yeah. That's so, what I'm saying. So we got to understand as a people, it's not about Kumbaya. It's about learning, adapting, and growing all within the same sentence. See, it can't be sentence five is I'm a grow. And you don't learn four lessons and still haven't grown, but you know what I'm saying? So it gotta be adapt and learn at the same time. So it has so, to be. So all right, so now that's we you we in the game of building people, right? Mm -hmm. So so like the program that we working with, we 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 want to have accountable men, but also tell their own story from the perspective Absolutely. of where Absolutely. they have a viewpoint that is a little different from where we go through. Um you know, it's kind of classic with it starts the same and then all of a sudden it goes, okay, this is where it's going wrong where we can yeah. fix the person. So that's the little bit of thing that's where we figure out, all right, maybe I'm not an expert in that area and I'm gonna have to find me a professional. So I, I heard a good <laughs> saying once, it's easier to train a child than to help a broken man unlearn his broken. Mm, that's deep. Boy, that's I'm that's telling so you, speaking so to the Listen, I, I and I, I meet with young men, I meet with college students, I meet with grown men about becoming mentors. And I have to realize that a lot of men who are older than me are broken. Right. That's true. So it's hard for me to ask a man in his 50s and 60s to become a mentor when they don't come from an era of, of counseling. Exactly. They don't come from an era of understanding what mental health is. Yeah. Like if we if we're being realistic. Mm. Our grandfather, our uncles, for that matter, our grandfathers, for that matter, our fathers, for that matter, are broken men. Right? They, they don't come from an era of I'm going to sit down with a mental health counselor and talk about my issues. So how do we then expect them to sit down with us and talk about this? So my question is: is if we're, if we're surrounded by so many broken men, right? I can't even have a full conversation about what went on with my own real father. Mm -hmm. So to even have that conversation. I think we have to have Dr. Ivana or something to come on in. But I think these are the things that make me curious about do these men in our environment community really want to fix the community as a broken person? So you can't you can't fix the community until you fix yourself. Right. So if you got seven to eight men that's walking around here broken, how hard is it going to be to be able to fix the community and then they get a flat? So, fix the community and then get a flat. So I you get the, what I'm saying? The best way to look at it is we have to start with ourselves. Mm. You have to wake up tomorrow morning or this morning or yesterday morning and say to yourself that I'm not going to continue to walk in this hurt. Right. I'm going to find someone to speak to who's going to help me 
channel this anger, who's going to help me disperse this anger in a positive way. Right. Um, I do a lot of posts on, on social media about who wants to start a business. And nobody, it's, bro. It's, 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 it's alarming how inactive people are with starting their own business. I, I heard this saying, and this saying motivated has, has motivated me and kept me motivated in being an entrepreneur my entire adult life. Do I want to build someone else's dreams? Do I want to spend my life building someone else's dreams or do I want to build my own dreams? Because you're building your own dreams. It's like, you know, you creating your own outcome of what you want to do in your own life. I feel like, you know, a lot of, say, for example, people around my age or people that's like, you know, even older, older, older. They haven't learned their lessons to the aspect of the lifestyle that they've been living. It's like, you know, the same thing for my mom. My mom, she's uh she's one of a rape victim that was raped and she never got a chance to actually get over that. So it's like when you speak to her, it's like she's there, but she's not all the way there. And her mind is fragmented. And it's sad because it's like, you know, so so that crazy, that crazy concept, just that perspective alone, right? We have a lot of PTSD in our community, right? So we haven't had an opportunity to separate from the community itself that's growing every single day to heal this nationally or internationally. This is a problem me, that's systemic. Let me ask you guys a question. Have you guys ever heard of uh, neurological remapping? I have, but I don't know what it is. So neurological remapping is the brain teaching the body how to function after trauma. Because mm, it's all in the brain. Exactly. Okay. So when you go, let's let's start from a physical standpoint. Somebody who's been raped, abused, battered, however you want to put it. Each each word has its equal strength in your life, in your mind. Yeah. So a woman who's been raped and a woman who's been battered would serve to go to a neurological remapping specialist mm -hmm. because that person can teach them. When someone touches them, they, they naturally, yeah. their reaction is like, I have to protect myself. They go into fight or flight mode. I have to protect myself. I have to protect myself. Right. So people who reach out to the specialist and say, listen, I, I need I need to get over this trauma that I've been through. My body has been through this. How do I teach my mind or how does my mind teach my body not to react this way? Mm. These specialists however you need five, 10, 15, however many sessions you need. We as a culture need to take advantage of our healthcare. A lot of people, don't, listen, even if they have healthcare in the first place, not, really, they don't really know about these people. Right, so, 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 so a lot of our community, right, go around the community, half of people. Because they're, they're they, not they, Yeah, so, so, so that, even fixing that problem, one of the problems is, is that that's not fixed. That's like, having a cavity and all of a sudden for a long period of time, mm -hmm. that cavity moves to the next tooth. That cavity now has is the whole mouth. Now there's an infection on the whole head. Mm -hmm. How do you expect a person to react to you, have a conflict resolution uh, plan around an infection? That's, a, that's an issue that we all have. Mm -hmm. You already know men don't like going to doctors. Very well, not even talking to a man that talking about being accountable. They don't want to be responsible in the first place. Where does that come into play in your environment while you're trying to heal? So I feel like, again, I go back to it's difficult to, so excuse me, it's difficult for us to teach grown men not to be broken. Yeah. So our focus 
through our healing has to be to start with the children. Yeah, exactly. So let's be honest. I, I personally have never read a book about how to be a great father. Mm. I don't know. I mean, and, and if you're out there listening, people, I'd love for somebody to put a link that shows me a book about how to be a good father in a black community. Yeah, which is true. Like, we have to think about the people, us mm. as a people. Yeah. Who is out here supporting the black father? Thanks. I know, I know personally so many organizations that help black mothers. I don't know very many people who are having seminars, workshops, events promoting black fatherhood. So let me let me put that together because I think this society wants the woman in the front. I won't say this society. I would say this government. Yeah. You say that? I would say I wouldn't say society because I mean, let's be honest, we have some society some aspects of society, some aspects of our community that are about the black family. And then we have to understand that when we look at government, let's go back to, you could take it all the way back to slavery. What was, what was happening during slavery? Black men were being castrated and removed from the house. Right. You were you were beaten down as a black man and our women were being raped. True. So we see in this still now in this society. Like, like, think, about, think about this. Do you, like, and I hope this ruffles a couple of feathers. But black women, you never liked white men. I know there was saying. never a thing. It was never, there was no such thing as interracial relationships during slavery. It was the black woman being taken and raped. Exactly. And now all you see in commercials is the white husband and the black wife. I'm mm. not going to act like you don't see the black husband and the white wife, but that's more along the lines of, it's, it's sorry to say it, but it's in entertainment. It started in entertainment. We saw it on television. And so we, we it made it okay. But let's be realistic. They took the black man out of the house. They started child support. They started public assistance. Black women couldn't get public assistance if the man was in the house. What does that tell you? I'm not going to give you no money as a government to take care of your children if this man is in the house. He need you put him on child support or you get no services. I was told that too. I was told that. You saw that too? I was told that when I first had my daughter. My mom was saying, oh, in order for her to get like dental and all that, you have to pay him on child support. I said, listen, you pay me on child support from there. You don't take care of my child. I take care of my child more than the mother. But but, but you got to understand, you have to have a degree to get a good job. Yeah, that's true. If we couldn't go to college until a certain time, how are we going to make money? True. Like, think about how, how these systems were put in place. Just let's, let's be realistic. Think about the systems the United States government has in place. Can't get public assistance if the if the male parent is in the home. Okay, look, this is the perfect situation, right? Because I'm I, I had you on as a guest for this reason, right? So we we have a special guest at the same time to have this conversation because a lot of people don't understand how much of a detriment to the community this is in our environment. Yeah. So 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 we're the people that are like, okay, so now we represent 
generation, right? Millennials, Gen X, right? Even the baby boomers and mm -hmm. all of us, right? Mm -hmm. They melt us into a pot where we have to be, have a same common goal, be congruent in our economic development, psychological, spiritual, mm -hmm. um, uh, be educated enough to be able to lead mm -hmm. and be able to run our households. And not to mention the greatest detriment to our society, which is, I feel, is the splitting of church and state. Which is me. I, grew oh, up, I would have to agree. With you. I grew up in in in, in, a, in a Christian uh, Baptist household where I went to church, and I went to school that had God within it. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that component of having God in education is where the basis of faith began, and belief in what you're reading came together with science. So, so I, I would have to agree with you. Um, when I look at how education has dropped tremendously, people, tremendously. Right? Yeah. Let's 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 think about this for example. Think a little bit, so mm -hmm. could be. Let's think about this for example. Um, if you look at, it, let's just look at it from just a religious standpoint. Jewish people, or the Jewish religion, they have their own school. They're probably outside of the Catholic Church, the only other religion that has its own network of elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, and college. College, right? Yeah. So the Catholic Church has the same thing: middle schools, high schools, and colleges. So do we have black seminary, seminary colleges? Yes, there are. There are plenty of black seminary colleges. Well, I don't ever hear about. It. Well, I mean, because they're okay. not. They're not in the north. They're in the south. Oh, okay. They're okay. in the south. Um, I would say. Working, previously working with the Board of Education, um, there are so many resources that have been removed from school. The first that they first that they removed, first thing they removed was religion. And after religion, everything, every program that helped kids who didn't want to go to college survive and get jobs, they've removed. Just think about it. They used to have trade schools. They used to have trades in public schools. Right. Now they have trade schools. Well, now you have to pay to go to go to a trip to learn a trade rather than the trade have been taught to you in high school. People were people were becoming carpenters out of high school. People were becoming plumbers out of high school. People were becoming. Uh, um, um, there were so many other trades. I think yeah, slipped my mind currently. But and the crazy thing you say that knowing that we want to build these things, right? Collaborative, right? The the definition of what we see as a man in 2022, 2010 is not the same man that we're talking about in the 90s, 2000s. Even I won't even say that. We got to go back to the 80s. Okay. Oh, so when you go back to the 80s, you think about your dad got up, went to work, made his wage, came home, dinner was ready. Like people speak down on that. Yeah. Yeah. Speak people people nowadays. And I'm I'm sorry, ladies. I'm, I'm point. Point the finger at the ladies. Ladies no longer want to be that stay-at-home wife who cooks and takes care of the home because that's that's frowned upon. That's not like you're not a, a good human being because you do that. Now we're gonna bring in our guests. Speaking of that, bring it up on the platform. We have Lisa Ward. How you doing today? How you doing? Let's get her right. Let's get her right. Yes, unmute the mic. Can you hear me? 
I'm sorry, guys. Thank you. There we go. Yeah. How you doing? How you doing? Welcome to the I had to bring this in perfect. You know, um, I, I let, That's so wrong. let my brother come on in because he read the book. He's done everything. So I'm going to let him go ahead and take over. Hey, uh, Lisa Wood, it's a pleasure to really have you. You know, it's a pleasure to actually have you on this podcast. Um, Thank you. Your book, your book is very inspiring, very inspiring about the, uh, the challenges that you know that you went through, the challenges that your moms went through, the challenges of that, you know, you couldn't even have kids because of the type of circumstances you was going on and things. Yeah, and things that. All right. So tell us about the book. And so, what is the name of the book? Um, The name of the book is Empowered by Disadvantages. Right. Um, I can't take credit. You know, God gave that to me. Um, and pretty much I went to my best friend, um, who was my business partner at the time. And I told her the subtitle, which was when your disadvantages become your advantages. And she said, that's the book you need to write. I always thought it was going to be my biography or a, you know, a fiction type of book I would write. Um, and when I brought it to her attention, she said, I need you, I think I need you to write this. And she said, you write it, I focus on everything else. Uh, long story short, um, I started writing it once I got the organization of what chapters that we was gonna put in the book. Um, in that process, she was diagnosed with uh, cancer um, mm. in June um, 2018. Um, and she was gone in October 22nd, uh, 2018. Sorry. Uh, thank you, thank you. Um, she just asked me to promise to finish the book because I had told her it was supposed to be a two part book. I told her I wasn't going to finish the book, um, but she made me promise and she knows who I am. So I did. I'm very spiritual. So we finished the book seven days after her birthday. Um, and anybody who's spiritual knows seven means completion. So um, I wrote the book and with some great hope. I never did a book in my life. Didn't think I could do a book um, because I'm dyslexic. So, you know, when with a dyslexic person, it's... Um, we get frustrated with ourselves because, you know, what we want to say, sometimes it's hard to put it on paper, but we have it in our heads. So sometimes you have to be real strong minded to overcome those things. Um, and uh, once I figured out that that was my purpose to do, um, I took all the different adventures, adventures that I had, like, you know, starting a magazine, interviewing iconic artists, being a mentor since I was about 13. Um, been speaking since I was probably 16 to other kids. Um, and then I took that time and I just took all those stories that God gave me and those journeys that I had in my life and I put it in a book. Um, some is my story, some is people that I've worked with, um, businessly and, and non, um, and it touches on some great topics, topics that people don't always talk about from, you know, what men said again, what um, are some of those topics? Uh, fatherless. Uh, we talk about fatherless when men are not able to have children naturally. Um, that must be a very hard thing for a man. And I did the research and men, we realized there's no groups there out there for men to go to, uh, to express, you know, how they're going through not being able to reproduce. Um, it's mostly women groups and you know, guys, you're not going to want to really express yourself in front of a woman because first of all, y'all already feel that one, your job is to protect her, um, to keep your feelings all balled up and doing that in front of a room full of women, you know, that's something very hard for any man to do. And I understand that, but I think it was something that we needed to talk about because, you know, when you have a child, are y'all, I know two of y'all are parents. Are you a parent? Okay. So all the guys are parents. Think about something. When you have a child, what's the first thing that 
when you start seeing your baby walking and you imagine them, don't, what's the first thing we say? We always say, oh, I can't wait till you have children or I can't wait till you become a father or a mother. Have it ever came in your mind that there's a possibility that child can't have children? No. No. Not, not, wow. not necessarily. Right. No. My cousin, she actually kind of went through a situation like that to where he told her that she couldn't have children. And as they tell her that she couldn't have children, she ended up having three. Right. But the thing oh. is, when you, uh, the point is, we don't tell our children there's even a possibility. We are faster to tell a child, oh, that man might not be in that household. So be careful the man you choose to be delay up with. We'll make sure that our daughters know that, or we'll tell our sons, make sure you be careful because you stuck with that woman for the rest of your life. Make sure you pick the right woman. But we never prepare our children mentally um, for not being able to have a child. So we talk about those things um, in signs so you can catch it early so that child can you know, be prepared. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to tell my age here. I would just say it took 10 years later, uh, 10 years from today, I just I just accepted the ability that I, that wasn't my mission to have children naturally, you know, and that's a long time saying. So it's hard for a woman because our job is we feel that that's our job as women to give birth to a child. So um, we talk about that. We talk about learning disabilities um, mm -hmm. because there's a lot of people who have children that have some ADHD, dyslexic. And before a parent would take the ownership to say, hey, my child might have a learning disability, they're worried about what somebody else is going to think. You know, the funny thing you say about that, I don't mean to cut you off, right? The funny thing about that is, is everybody has some form of um, special gift or talent. And diagnosing that gift, I, I say perspective of where they, they look at it as a disability. Um, I, I don't think that, you know, me personally, because I thought I had, you know, I was... I was tested uh, for to see if I was dyslexic years, mm -hmm. years back, um, you know, by an educator that felt like I, you know, I couldn't catch things fast. But she come to find out and do the test when I was early in college, they said, OK, you just learn different. You know, you you have you, 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 you know, some people learn from visualization. Some people learn being able to learn just by writing. Like you can teach them that way. And I learned I learned different. So those things helped me evolve as a person. And I just found that out years in junior college. Like I, I, I felt like I was dyslexic or I wasn't catching it. I, I was, you know, they use these I'm, different I'm things. Gonna, I'm gonna say something very controversial. It's crazy, but I don't believe that everybody has ADHD. You know, I everybody does not have, everybody doesn't, but. You know? You have to also open the door to understand it's okay to accept some things. Um, right, I agree. If you that. don't accept that you can't survive with it. So it took me a long time to accept that I had dyslexia. Um, but once I studied dyslexia and, and realized that, um, and my teach, I found that when I got to college, a teacher said, You're too smart, so I think you're dyslexic. So she didn't come and say, Oh, you, you, you know, you're moving real slow, you're dyslexic. She said, You're too smart, and I think you have dyslexia. So she said, I think you should go get tested. So I went and got tested and I am legally dyslexic. Um, but but most dyslexic people are very artistic. Most dyslexic people are entrepreneurs. Most dyslexic people are successfully rich, but we have to be okay to acknowledge that if you do have a learning disability, to accept it and then figure out how you could survive with it. And I was born and I was still on um, Redland when I was younger. And I didn't, I didn't even know that. But my mom told me that. She's like, you know, we was born, you was born like 
kind of crazy a little bit and they thought about putting me on regular, it would actually help. And the next thing you know, three years later, I ended up going through a season. And the next thing you know, like I couldn't learn as fast as other kids because of, and I was, I didn't even know, um, I actually spoke, spoke to her about this a couple of weeks ago. She was like, uh, cause I'll be telling her sometimes, you know, when I go to sleep, I literally have it to where like I'll be shaking in my sleep a little bit. She said that you have like, uh, she said what it was, you used to have seizures when you used to go to sleep every single night. She says to have that. And I didn't know how bad it was that my heart didn't stop for 10 minutes. And then my grandmother kept hitting me over and over to my heart re restarted again. And then next thing you know, when I grew up, I was put into um I was put into special ed, but it's not that I didn't know. I knew, I knew what the work I was doing. It was I, easy I, for me. I've I've been blessed to to I won't say go to medical school, not just become a medical doctor, but to become a physical therapist. And a lot of what we learn is doctors should should never prescribe any medicine for a baby until they're five years old. Exactly. Makes sense, definitely. But there's a there are a lot of doctors who shouldn't have licenses because they experiment on black children. Yeah. Most definitely. I agree. And then over time, the, over time, the United States of America has experimented, has on, experimented black on black children, yeah. black adults, black women over time. And sh you know, I don't want to make this thing a controversial thing. Should we trust our doctors, our, you know, for women, the women doctors and the children doctors I think going forward? I think what you need to do is you need to find a person of color. I, like I, I, and I, I, I don't take anything away from any any other race. I'm not a racist, but I feel like Jewish people have their own communities, their own hospitals, their own doctors. We are no longer the minority in the United States as African Americans. We can have our own hospitals, we can have our own doctors, we can have our own schools, but we don't know how to stick together. You could drive into any major city in the United States and find a Jewish section. Correct. Correct. It's terrible that in any city in the United States where black people live is considered the hood or urban. So, this, so, 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 going into the the book, right? So, uh -huh. this, I want to because this is a collective. We've been together for a minute, so okay. I want to be able to ask you in your book, what do you tackle? Not just uh, on systemic racism, disabilities, um, trial and, trials and tribulations. What is so impactful about your book? Um, I, I've had people read the book. Uh, I've had stars call me um, that I've, I'm associated with um, and then regular people and they read the book finally. You know, they had the book for a little bit and then they finally got to the book. Um, and they call and they always say that this book has touched them um tremendously um showed them uh one lady she called and said are you busy i said no nah. she said um you helped me to realize i need to call my father and have a conversation um i didn't know that it was something i was truly missing until i read your book and i didn't know how to attack it until i read your book um so i think i'm going to do this um sad thing is i don't know if she ever got to do it because uh, we wasn't in contact and she died actually last year. Mm. So hopefully, but she's the one who was like this. Actually, she's the one who planted the seed that said this book should be a movie. Um, then it was another friend of mine who, uh, a young lady, she came to buy the book and she was saying, um, you know, I'm slow. I don't really, you know, and understand everything. And I've been through a hard life 
And I said, uh, so another person was there at the book stand and they said, you know, we're going to buy the book for her. The book is a book that will definitely touch anybody, I believe, from the ages of 15 and up in some shape or form to let them realize that life one is a game of chess. Mm. Two, not anything, checkers. say it again? Say not checkers. <laughs> no, not checkers, it's chess. And I think everybody should learn how to play chess, but it is definitely chess. And also it's a thing of, this book will show you that every time you go through something, you need to take a minute and don't get stuck in that place where man, nothing's going right, or this is happening to me, and this is happening. I get it. I totally, I, I totally get it. But How do you get over was, that? How do you get over? See, that's the question, right? So, so black men and women all across the world go through that spin cycle where they're in that cycle of I'm in an emergency and I'm panicking and I don't know how to get out of that cycle for a long period of time. And that might be internationally overall, you know, this- right person-to-person thing, but how do we get through that um, as a community? Um, I think one, we've lost the, I'm still old school. So if I, right. and I deal with kids all the time and I'll be the kid in a minute, you know, don't, if you don't want your kid beat, don't have them around me. We come from the same club. Yes. Okay. So I, I, I run a community center in Harlem. Funny. <laughs> oh, where, where in Harlem? I, it's, it's, it's actually called the Kennedy Center. It's on 34th, it's on 134th. <laughs> right across the street kid. from the Harlem Hospital. So, okay. oh, so oh, where the funny part about that Say is. Where the library used to be. Say that again? Where the library used to be. No, that's on 30, that's on 136. <laughs> okay. But I'm I know that. Okay. So every parent, every parent of every child has to meet with me when their child comes to you. Your child said they want to come in, they want to play basketball. Cool, you can join the program. So I, I send them home with an application and I say, when you bring back the application, bring your parents because I want to meet your parents. Right. My thing is, as a parent, I don't let my kids go nowhere where I don't know where they're going. Correct. Like right. you in dance, I need to know the dancing instructor. Right. You in soccer, I need to know the soccer coach. I need to know everybody. That's my right. thing. Correct. And the parent come in and tell me why did why did I need to come with my come with my son to meet you? And I said, what if I was a serial killer? Exactly. Right. What if I was what if I was a, a pedophile? You gonna just let the kid go hang out with pedophiles? That's what we do nowadays in our hood. Listen. So the father goes. I never thought about it that way. I said, and that's the problem. Correct. I said, I know your son more than you know that I know your son because I I used to work at your son's school. Right. He goes, oh, really? I didn't know that. I said, there's a lot that you don't know about what goes on in your son's life. And that's what I'm getting from this conversation. Correct. I said to him, if your son goes out on the street and does something wrong in front of the cops and gets killed by the cops, how's that going to make you feel? Mm-hmm. And, he and just, Harlem is a definitely place for that to happen. Exactly. Listen, and it's happening all over the country, as we see on the media. This is the reason why I started a media company. And before this, 10 years ago, I said, look, we need to read. We don't even read each other's books. We don't, listen, it's dialogue out here that I've never heard of. People that I've never seen, you see them flashing across the, they got uh, press releases about these people and you, next week you don't even know who the person is. So I said, okay, let me find out if I can put the good entrepreneurs together, 
find a directory where we could go ahead and put us a conference together about with all these people because it's a, our kids need a future of dialogue. And I, this is how I thought I can create a narrative where we could change whatever they doing and make us a, a, make a susu about all, what our money look like with all our stuff is create a conference, direct ourselves with all the intellectual properties that we own and put it in one building so we can see what's going on. Not sisters, sisters, no, sister and brothers come together and look at what we have as articles of body, uh, intellectual properties that we all own together to see if we could come up with our own curriculum so we can hand it to the school systems, that we can hand so, it to the rest of the world and say, look, this is what who we are. Mm-hmm. And instead of you feeling like you want to teach us whatever you want to teach us, this is what we know about American culture. Because Black culture is American culture. But you don't want to give your child our culture unless you created it, made all the edits and cut everything up and then feed it back to us like we don't know who we are. This That's where I figure I work, I'm partnering with the Gen X because they starting to know who they are. They see the information, but we also do need our um, quote unquote black intellectuals to come on in the forefront and say, look, this is what we feel is correct for our children to learn. So I hang around a whole bunch of intellectuals and I said, okay, look, if I didn't finish college, we're going to go back to college. That's the reason why we started this thing in the first place. And said, look, let's go ahead and get all our, our people that uh, didn't go to college back on a tour to go back to universities, community colleges. I believe in university perspective. But that's the reason why we want to bring on people that have books, um, because we need to fact check ourselves. Right. Um, and, we, and that's where we are most hurt, because we don't know what our identity truly looks like as a culture perspective. How do you feel like that affects people when you made your created your book? Um, I think that we I think we are a lost culture, you know, and I don't know until we as a culture are ready to really embrace each other with no prejudice, no jealousy. Um, I think we're gonna have a hard time. Just like, you know, yeah, we would like to be segregated into our own communities and separated, but then are we really gonna really support each other? Are we really going to work together? Are we are we going to be able to do what they did years ago and create another war, Black Wall Street without us hating on each other? I don't know. Um, but what I do know is right now we need to worry about the next generation and help them because they're not so, uh, they're not as so, what's the word? They're more open-minded to, just like when we did Obama, Obama was elected. It was so many young people Black, white, Chinese—it was a—it was a beautiful thing to see that happen. Um, and I think he was the right man for the job, not because of the fact he did. Maybe he didn't do a wonderful job for some people. Maybe he did. But the fact that he was black and white—you can't say, "Oh, he's all for black people." Oh, he's all for white people. Well, we mixed up anyway. as a culture, right? We mixed up. This is well, that's whole- true. And then we all mixed. But you know that one little dot of blood, you know. They, they just put us in black. But you asked me one thing. I want to go back and just answer that. Mm-hmm. Um, the main thing is to show people that when you go through an uh, issue in your life, you got to take a minute and look at that and dissect it piece by piece and find out what's the lesson in it. You know, I could have just been a kid, you know, that said, um, you know, I can't read and, you know, forget about it. But I was determined enough that you have two people. When you go through life um, in your life with issues, you either going to say, 
and use that as fuel or you're going to use that and try to give yourself a pity party. And I'm not trying to knock anybody, I'm not saying we don't understand your hurt. I've been through a lot. I've been, I, I've been raped. I've been uh, abandoned. I've been uh, uh, attacked. I, I, I know different things. So, but I never let any of that break me to the point where I wasn't going to be successful. And success is different for everybody. My success is that I wrote a book and then my next thing is to be on a platform with y'all or a platform where I can go with this gentleman here and be in schools and talk to these kids because you got to understand y'all and I'm, and I'm assuming, I don't think any of y'all have a learning disability, but when you have someone who has a learning disability, they need to know that they can make it. And when I walk into school and they see me, it's like, oh, really? And then don't don't let them know that I'm in the music business, you know, and stuff. Then it's like, oh, okay, now you know some people. Then they, you know, kids like to relate to you if they feel that you can relate to them. First of all, I want to say, like, congratulations on all of your endeavors, right? Thank the you. The cool part about this is, is that I, I believe that you're the rock star of the community that has not been publicized to the point where is you become the celebrity of our community. And that's the reason why we started this thing in the first place, because I don't think that our celebrities are doing a great job at representing our culture over abroad. Because I think the reason why we see Mal Malcolm X, the reason why we see Martin Luther King, the, see, the reason why we see the Frederick Douglasses of the world, the, the all of the, and the, the books that was the bodies of work, that's because they made sure that their purpose was driven towards the black community. And I don't think that we're doing a great job at keeping that part together. And so we, we can get our literature to the kids that do want to be the, in the political area, that do yeah. want to lead the culture, that do want to be a part of the change instead of the what I call, quote unquote, the entertainment part of society. I think but these parents have to stop. And I know he's going to agree with me. These parents have to stop letting the TV raise their children. They have to stop being um, not involved with their kids. Uh, I'm not saying your kid can't play a video game, but if your whole life is a phone and a video game and you don't know about the world and then something's wrong, you know, we, the, and, and, and I think that's our fault a little bit, my generation, um, because we was trying not to be as strict as our parents, but then trying to find the middle. But at the same time, then you got the kids having babies at a young age because then you got the kid, the parents who are just trying to run the street and not be parents. So we have to go back to that time when you see kids doing wrong, you need to pull that kid to the side and talk to them because you might be saving his life, but you bring a kid to me, I'm beating him. So if I need to, I, I'm a, I, I agree until you said, talk to them. So this is the problem. And I, I've had so many young people that I work with, there are no ass weapons being given out anymore. You want to, the problem is the problem is we do too much talking and not enough ass weapons. And, and you know I only talk twice. So 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 my, so okay. The thing is, I've learned since I have a smart, intelligent kid, right? How old is your son? Uh, he's ten years old. He'd be eleven to watch, right? I have an intelligent young man that I don't have to beat much. I never had to beat them. We had we had this conversation. Well, in the well again, so 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 you have those, and, that, and, and if yeah. you have those talks, you don't have to. You're right, right, right. You're the dad raising your son. 
So, so, so my question is, so my question is to this, right? The people, and I'm, I'm posing to the question that the people that's out there that's going to be watching this because we're going to release this because this is a great conversation, right? What do you do when the kid and the parents are the same, and majority of those kids come out in the household, they beating on teachers. They disrespecting the general public. They disrespecting the grandmas. They not trying to get the structure that you're trying to give them. Where do you place those kids in there? And the majority of those kids are in our community. So and move over so they can see. So so I'll answer it, and hopefully you could piggyback off my answer. So my answer is this: Our society is the way that it is because, like I said before, I had a village. I remember getting suspended from school in eighth grade and I got my ass whooped at three different houses on my way home. There, that was the village. Yeah. Sorry. There, there was a, like, my godmother lived on the block. I got my behind with my godmother's house. My grandmother lived on the block. I went from my godmother's house to my grandmother's butt whooping to my mom who was going to be home in two hours. And I knew to hide because that third behind whooping was going to be the one that put you over the top. Right. You know what I'm saying? Nowadays, parents want to fight teachers for reprimanding the children. If you raise a bad child and your child gets in trouble in school, that is only a reflection, a reflection of your bad parenting. I told my child's mother that. I said, Yo, um, Sometimes. Some, I'm sorry to cut you off. Sometimes. <laughs> and I said that because I did work in the Board of Education. I did work in Harlem. Um, and I had kids come to me and I said, you know, when the kids' parents came to me, I said, okay, I introduced myself. I said, listen, um, you know, if your kid is being disrespectful, how you want us to handle it? Because, you know, I pull them aside. They say, listen, do what you got to do. You sure? Because do what I got to do mean I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my hands if, if we need to do that. I'm not a hand person. And I don't want people to misunderstand that I haven't had to beat my kids at all. My kids, I didn't have to beat. Because I, I have a voice and a very clear understanding and made it clear. My grandbabies, when they was born and able to talk and listen, I said, listen, if you want to act crazy, I'm going to beat you on a wall and, and I'm good. I'm going to beat you against the wall. It's all right. And if you call the police, that's okay, too, because I'm just going to keep going to the cops come. Because if I'm going to jail, I'm going to go to jail for a reason. I'm not going to go to jail for a So So the in the reverse argument, right? How do you handle a kid that's in the for the conflict resolution perspective that might not he's already exhibiting those type of issues, but beating is not helping? Guess what? Beating is not helping because this is the argument that we have in in, in education and society. So, you can beat him as much as you want. I have a I have a sister. I don't care how many times you hit this person. This right. person is going to do what they're they going to do. Right. So, so. But guess what? You might have some kids that really, I had a kid who told me when I didn't chastise them and I didn't have to hit any kid. I just threatened them and they, and they know not to do anything. But if you, you know, my father was that way, but I had kids come to me and say, Miss Lisa, why are you not, you, why, why are you not fussing at me no more? You don't love me. Kids I, really I, like discipline. Yes. They need structure. Children they need, need structure and they sometimes take discipline and it's not always about putting your hands on them. Even if you lie and say you're going to put your hands on to them, they think you love them. That so means that parent is that the house is not paying them attention, but mm -hmm. you paid attention to them enough to say, you care that much about me to give me a little beating. 
or you care that much about me not to fight with, I mean, to fuss at me or not pay me no attention when I'm walking down the hallway and I say hello to you and now you ignoring me. It, it's just different stages. Exactly. And right. and it, was, I, it was terrible. So I think that from, I don't mean to cut you off, but I'll let you go. I thought that when you have, and thank God for Mrs. Jackson and people that was in my school in high school that had, had show and Mrs. Whitaker and all these, you know, uh, Mr. Jackson and some of the individuals that I know, if they did not speak to me, I was hurt, yeah. right? right? Because because they have a standard that was so high. It was tough to even get to that level and they pushed you intellectually. Some kids you don't have to be and you know that you won't get to that level because they ignore it. Even the slightest, I want to be a part of what you're doing. And they want to allow, I think not being a part of something is what hurt me the most because I know I wanted to be a part of a, a community, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that our kids are so uh, uh, extroverted that when you limit them in this generation and say, look, we, we out and you can't come. This is where I've gotten oh, yeah. that Yeah. This right here is where I, my kids that I mentor straight because they see all the entertainers. They see all of the, the glitz and the glam and they know I'm in front of all of the baddest celebrities that you could, that they, they, they idolize. Right. For them not to be in that room knowing that they, they could come knock on my door. They could, they could call me on the phone anytime. Hey, big bro, I need your help. I need this. I need that. I need that. Right. So right. when they, runs out and i say listen i'm not gonna deal with your nonsense anymore yeah. and you're not coming to hold a camera you're not coming to say hello you're not coming to get a picture you're not involved with any of my community engagement knowing mm -hmm. that there's going to be celebrities around right you can make sure your influence gets bigger on social media that mm -hmm. hurts them even more definitely Most so they like look i gotta act right because and this is even my my adults that are on the way to 30, they know, hey, look, brother, this is, I don't care about the money issue. I'll rather pay you off and get out of my life versus you come around me and mess up my stuff. Right. I had to hit him where it hurt. I right. think that was the reverse uh, reflection. No, no, we did it in, in our time too, and I'm pretty sure he had you to know? use that as well. And don't get us wrong, I have never had to put my hands on a child. Right. We don't beat on everybody. I went through that a lot, even being as a busy, and then also me teaching my daughter. I always taught my daughter, and this is why she loves me so much and she respects me. My daughter's 11, um, coming up to 12, she'll be 12 in May. And I teach her, I said, Listen, you think that I like that I like uh, like violence? I said, Baby girl, you don't understand something. When I was school, I used to grow up, I used to get beat every single day just because of little things I used to say, just because you know, I'm trying to give a story and say that, well, this is wasn't it, it was this, but you thinking that I'm trying to be disrespectful. I'm yeah. teaching the difference. I said, listen, baby girl, let me let you know something. I said, with me, I said, I wanted to be different from what my mom was teaching me, my grandmother was teaching me, my grandfather was teaching me. I said, cause you know what? That type of, um, the type of things that was going on in my life, it was so much trauma. It wasn't helping the mind and it wasn't helping me to move forward. Yeah, that's why it picked me into a, a certain stages where I was going through different things and I learned from the things that I was actually going through. And it's like, now my daughter, she's smart, very smart. She's an honor roll student, to be honest with you. Like she's a honor roll student, she'll go to school and do her work. But what it is is that like, she's seeing that 
something from her mom's is doing. So she doing it, she's taking it and she's putting it to her own life and thinking that's okay. And I be teaching and I sit down while I say, listen, baby girl, what you see your mom's doing, I've been talking to her this for years. Ever since she was three years old, I used to tell her, listen, baby girl, I'm going to work, I'm going to work, I'm going to work. The next thing you know, that it's like that type of uh, memory got stuck into her mind. Like my daddy's doing this, my daddy's doing that, my daddy works and stuff like that. And I started to teach her. And it's like now when she gets around me, it's like she's so comfortable because like she can speak to me about anything without me feeling offended. Because nowadays these kids, it's like, you know, they don't want to feel like when they speak out that they're going to get smacked across the face because of they say something on what they feel. Like it's like it's different nowadays when we've grown up. Like because it's like I teach you, so I say you have a voice and you have an opinion. If you don't like something, speak up on it. That's why I'm here to actually listen because I want you to know that me being your father, I'm not going to be your friend. I'm going to be your father. Yeah, you know, I, I appreciate you and all stuff like that, but to a certain degree, to where you know that respect still lies there and that respect will not go anywhere. So when it comes down to her, see her mother with different people, different guys, she being disrespectful, she's cursing, you know, she's trying to throw hands and stuff. I said, listen, that type of things, I've been trying to get you out of type of environment for a minute because like you're just now seeing it, but you're being seeing it since a child. I was the one who was going through that and being beat on, being this and being that. And I never even threw a swing towards her side. Everything that I was seeing was wrong. And it shouldn't be like that. So my question is, is right, knowing that it's trauma, there's different learning styles, there's there's different healing perspectives, there's different educational perspectives. How do you wrap all of that in an envelope and be able to actually get someone to execute in their real life setting because they have all of these things happening overall? Because at the end of the day, we're all human and this is a trial and error situation, right? How do we get each and every person in, like in your book? How do you resolve these issues and how you get them to be able to scale as a human being? And that's our last question so we can- So uh, um, elaborate a little bit more as far as- How right, do so I get them to want to read the book? No, not just reading the book. What's your style, right? After they read the book or if some, you, take, you have a kid that has been, you know, dealing the same type of traumas, dealing with the same type of relationships. So obviously our communities are um, different. I don't say disenfranchised. I just say misinformed to where is we educate at the level where we can get every kid to understand where they should go um, with leadership. How do you get someone to get out of their own way? Um, honestly, you know, once people, you know, most of the time when I go and speak and they tell them, a little bit about my background they're already kind of focused because they can't believe that somebody who had an eighth grade reading level going to college has accomplished all the things i've accomplished um but when i have them read the book i make sure i let them know like i need to meet with individuals because you can't just put it all in a make it stereo like to everybody you have people that come up to you and i take each individual case and i listen to them and based on what they tell me, then I'll be able to take what I wrote in the book and say, this is what you can apply to this situation. This is what you can apply to that situation. Because every person's situation is different. Even if you got two people who went through the same thing, their response and how they handle it and the effect that it had on them might be two different ways. So the main thing I have to do is listen to each individual first and see what's going on, what they went through, how they affected and what are they going through every day and then try to give them the best advice I can give them. So tell everybody where to find the book, how they can get in touch with you and all your social medias. Um, you can definitely get in touch with me through uh, Lisa at ward.com. Um, that's L I S 
A-A-T-W-A-R-D.com. That's my website. Uh, my email is the same thing, but at gmail.com. Uh, and then I'm on IG as Lisa, official Lisa Ward Speaks, TikTok, uh, official Lisa Ward Speaks. Um, and you can reach me up through IMU Network as well. And I'm there for anybody. And this gentleman, he's in Kennedy. So, you know, if you ever want me, I'm definitely okay. happy to come there. So we're going to hook all of this up with the network. I think this is a great, and shout out to my brother, Stacey Daniels, for even having us come and, and do this program. And we're going we gonna to launch this big um, ex, uh, conference that's coming up. It's, it's such a huge idea. I can't do this by myself. And I think that, you know, for me just having the, the awareness to be able to have college students going back to school, uh, educators collaborating, um, book owners, uh, authors, uh, uh, this everybody being able to creatively come together, but putting their ideas, we gonna put this thing on the platform and stream it and make sure the world knows that we are together in a community and we're here for healing. But black people always been about healing, and, and I think that's why we need to show a different side of us moving forward, so people know how to to actually learn how to approach us in the first place. And this is early morning hustles. Shout out to Lisa for having us on this, you know, already know Jersey Jam building. T-Bone and building. And then we got Stacey Daniels. You know, peace, everybody. <laughs>